You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Robert Land, along with my co-host from House of Houston, Brian Patterson, and welcome to our Texans post-game show. Remember, we're your best daily source for Texans news, views, and interviews, and Vegas had this one nailed. They had the Ravens by seven. That's how it ended up, 23-16, the final. Brian joins me from Charm City, where he got to watch this one live and in person this was your first experience at a Ravens game in Baltimore. What was it like, Brian? How does this compare to NRG and some of the other NFL experiences? I, I think it is a terrific experience. And comparing it to NRG on a typical uh, Sunday game, uh, it blows it out of the water. I mean, the experience is just truly incredible. And it, it gets so loud in there. I mean, you know, they, they're really into it. And this is a 5-5 five and five team, but those fans are diehard. I was, you know, pinned right in between uh, two longtime season ticket holders since the beginning, and they 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 talked about how all the times were good and and the, the period we're going through now and how they're frustrated with John Harbaugh and uh, and Joe Flacco. Joe Flacco didn't have that great of a game tonight, but he did enough to win, and um, and that's all we were talking about there. And they were talking about Savage and his and his habits and his fidgeting and whatnot. But um, it's just a great in-game experience. They do the smoke and they do all the types of things. Same kind of same things that Texas do, but I think they do a better job of the in-game production. So, you know, I was really thrilled to see all of that. Um, They do have a band, um, just like I guess with they're bringing that tradition along when the Baltimore Colts were there. So um, it, it was great, you know, hearing them playing some of the fight songs. It, it kind of is like more of like a, a high school team, you know, with with the band, you know, giving out, you know, different songs and, you know, pep rally calls. And they, they were really into it. Yeah. Diehard fans are all over in Baltimore. And this is truly a, a beautiful stadium to visit. It's not a, a dump at all. It's very modern, very well kept. And um, I, I just have to say that it, it was a terrific experience. What about the fans there? Did they? It seemed like they were into it because you know it's Monday Night Football, and you know that that used to be. I don't know if you can say this anymore. It used to be a really huge deal. I mean, it was the showcase game, and now you got the Ravens with Joe Flacco, and they're in the playoff hunt. But it it's a team that nobody's really all that excited about. The offense is is really poor. You've got the Texans that. You know, they're missing all these marquee guys. Were the fans into this one at all? They were, um, especially when things uh, you know, down the stretch, you know, when it got tight toward in the fourth quarter, um, especially when Tom Savage threw that pick, and we're going to get into that later, you know, they were they were on their feet about that. But it, it, it goes to show you, you know, and this is what I continue to hear from the guy that was sitting next to me who's a season ticket holder, and he says, you know, I'm frustrated with the Ravens right now with everything that's going on, but I'm here because, you know, I, I love my team. And he, he just continued to reiterate that. Now, um, you know, after the, the Tom Savage pick, yeah, he was out of there. I shook his hand and and told him good night. Uh, but that's when a lot of fans uh, headed for the exits. But a lot were still there uh, toward the end. There were some that left a little early, but a lot were still in their seats right until 
uh, the final play. And then he goes and tells me, he says, you know, it's 16 to 23. You guys can come back and score this game. I'm staying right here. I'm not going anywhere. So, you know, at least the people who I sat with in my section, um, it stayed pretty full all the way through. You want to talk about this one? I mean, I, we, I could just pull a Tom Savage me and you could just do that and say, we good and just take off. Because I, I don't know if you saw this, Brian, because you're just getting back to the hotel. But Tom Savage's press conference was him walking out the door saying, we good. And he was gone. <laughs> what? Wow. I, no, I didn't know that. You know, I just saw some tweets uh, saying that, you know, he – you know, he says, I don't, it was more of like, you know, I, I, I'm frustrated. I'm, I'm frustrated to no end. I just kept seeing the word frustrated. I'm like, we know you're frustrated, man. Yeah. But- yeah. Yeah. Well, he, let's, let me just say this. It, it's kind of gone viral on sports center. They showed it, uh, but Uh-oh. it's going to be a gift. The, the big thing that I've heard though, from the, from there was that all reports are saying nobody was in the room. Apparently everybody walked out after, OB had his press conference and the big story to me, I guess is uh, Brian, nobody wanted to hear from Tom Savage after the game. Did, did you have any questions for him? Did you want to ask him anything? <laughs> no, I have absolutely everything I saw was, was what I expected. Oh, um, he had some nice throws to D hop and that's because of D hops athleticism. Uh, but, but especially that pick at the end, you know, to a guy that that was his first career pick, Anthony Levine. Yeah. Yeah, he he had never, you know, caught an interception until today. Tom Savage can be proud because he just made that man's career for right now. He's going to definitely be, you know, a part of that team, you know, with, you know, of course, with the Baltimore Ravens and whatnot. But uh, it, it's just and then, the, you know, we can we can get to the strip fumble by Terrell Suggs. It, it is, it's just a whole lot of bad, not much good and a whole lot of mediocrity in between. Savage, 22 of 37, 252 yards, no touchdowns, two interceptions. The last throw of the game, which was kind of a big deal when you do it at that throw. It, it just yeah. uh, That one hurts. And now the fumble, you can put on Kendall Lamb, who looked like a lost puppy trying to get in front of Ter- Terrell Suggs. And just remember, Cl- Chris Clark going out in the second quarter, uh, that was bad news. Yeah, yeah, Chris Clark haters, he's still doing a fairly decent job out there at, at tackle. And, and that was uh, a Kendall Lamb that is totally, uh, you know, out of his class trying to figure out a way to block Suggs and basically trying to figure out a way out to block anybody. But, Brian, those two interceptions, you mentioned one of them. They were just awful. It honestly looks like, and you tell me what you see, it looks like he decides at times – where he's going to throw the ball before it snapped. He could care less if it's double or triple coverage or whatever. Exactly. It's like he's run the play through his head and he's going to execute it regardless of how it's drawn up. And, you know, we talked about, I hate to bring up his name, um, you know, but Brock Osweiler, he was doing the same thing last year. You know, he, he would still execute the play, even though the situation's different. You know, when you re- go out and do your reads, Things are going to be different than what's scripted. That's that. That's your job to go and improvise and try to make something out of that play. That's what DW4 does. That's why I miss him. But, you know, he's not here. You know, we got to go with who we have right now with Tom Savage. And that's exactly what you saw. While you were talking, Savage just got three more balls batted down at the line of scrimmage. So, no. Oh, good one, Ron. <laughs> It, it was like, wait, remember that? It was like back to back. It was like, 
I was like, you'd think he'd learn the first time, you know, and, and not have, have it happen again. You know, I think Suggs what got one of those too. I mean, I had, I had predicted that Suggs was just going to give him the time of his life, and boy, did he give him the ride of his life. He still has it, you know, this many years in the league. And, you know, he was hurt for a good chunk, so he, he still got some miles on that body and can still be very effective. But, wow, he was just dominant the way he played tonight. Not top savage, of course. <laughs> who was who the kid in the sixth sense? What was that kid's name? Uh, oh, the, oh, the, he's uh, Haley Joe uh, Osmond. Yeah, I remember him. Osmond. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, there's a sixth sense that just Tom Savage needs to get from that kid because he just doesn't have it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like Bruce Willis, you know, trying to trying to get whatever information he needs out of him to, to, to solve whatever uh, situation that he's in. Yeah, that's just the that's just the whole uh, situation. Yeah, there. He, he just doesn't yeah. see anybody. He's got that no sense of like he can't see when guys are coming. I mean, I'm, I'm speaking specifically of the the Suggs thing, but I mean, I guess I could be talking about any of these uh, strip fumbles like we we talked about earlier in the week you know, leads the NFL and fumbles and he's only played in a handful of games, probably maybe, I guess, what is it now about half the Texans games and, and he leads the uh, entire NFL in that category. Uh, this is interesting from a stat standpoint. And this kind of gives it to you. Uh, this is kind of a basic, you know, where Tom Savage is uh, early in that game, Brian, when he was under pressure, uh, you know, he was in trouble, but if you saw, there was so much early in that game where he just wasn't under pressure uh, and 48% or excuse me, 48.7% of his dropbacks, he was under pressure. His passer rating from a clean pocket, 108.3. His passer rating when he was under pressure, 4.7, 4.7. That's all you have to do. That's all you have to do with Tom. Put the pressure on him. Because teams have figured him out. That's the blueprint. You know, put the pressure on him, and he's not going to be able to do well. And this was the perfect situation. Yeah, you, you've got to – the game, I would say against the Cardinals, he was better under pressure. Um, I think he was you – know, it was somewhere around 14 for 24. I think he only had missed like, like 10 throws whenever he was under pressure. He attempted a lot, but it still didn't turn out to be – you know, the greatest of games out of him, but he was a little better at it. But uh, yeah, Tom, and just, and I want to bring this back out to you. Um, he was only sacked up until this point. He's only had 13 sacks on the season. He has been sacked 13 times. I think with this game, that's going to pump it up to 15 or 16. I think he was sacked two or three times tonight. That's still only the sixth um, as far as, worst um in terms of uh sacks i think i'm saying that right he is not the most sack but he's very close if if i'm not if i'm not mistaken or the fewest the fewest amount of sacks you would think it would be more with the way tom savage is such a statue while uh, in the pocket i'm hoping i made sense when i said that sorry <laughs> well just to give you the numbers Suggs uh got him twice but that was it you know he wasn't sacked a lot I mean it's just the distance two times yeah that, that that's that's pretty much the case so yeah it's 15 so I think when I looked at the numbers before the start of this game yeah he he had been sacked 13 times so he's now been sacked 15 times that's still six fewest 
uh, in the league. I mean, I thought he would be right there at the top, but he really hasn't been sacked all that much. So, so what's the problem? Holding on to the ball too long. He didn't at the beginning of the game. He was getting it out quickly, releasing the ball, but he it's like when the second half came around, he regressed back to his old ways. You know, it's like good Tom and bad Tom, and these two are like having bouts with each other, and the bad one usually wins. <laughs> My point, though, was I think he had time early in the game. I, I think it got worse as the game went along. The pressure got ramped up a little bit. They They probably – you know, change things up a little bit. They know what they're doing over there with the Ravens as far as defense goes, and I think that had a, a great deal to do with it. But if if you look at the Texans uh, from a defensive standpoint, uh, we can get we'll get to that a little bit later. But before we move on, I just want to remind everybody that uh, we're going to grade out the Texans our pro, pro football focus grades and tomorrow's show. And then we're also going to have the grades by position. So you definitely want to want to tune in for that. But yeah, Brian, let's go into this a little bit uh, as far as what happened with the Texans, because when you look at this game, it's just uh, it's a most unfortunate set of circumstances uh, from a defensive standpoint. Again, you know, I've made the point before. I think the defense, they need to come up big at times when something doesn't go right for special teams or doesn't go right for uh, the offense. Uh, but still, when you look at what happened on the drives in this game and how the Ravens ended up scoring because their, their offense, we know it, it's, it's not good. It's, it kind of stinks. And, you know, we talked about that throughout the week. It, it's not a good offense and they've got some issues, but if you look at it, the Texans, the first three possessions, three and out one first down and punt three and out. So the defense was looking great. I'm going to get to Clowney later on the show but, you know, a seven-play, 50-yard drive, that was set up by – there was a, a fake punt in there, and, and that, oh, was, yeah. that, that, was, that was the big thing of that whole drive. And you also look at – it was only a 50-yard drive because Leckler had a bad punt, and we, we're going to have to talk about special teams in a little bit too because that's a whole other story to talk about. It was not a good day for Leckler. Let me just p- point that out. Then, then they had – the next touchdown was on a five-play – 46 yard drive that was after savages turnover so you know again the defense having to do it on on short fields again a fourth down cost them because it was a huge fourth and one they they run that little pitch play they get it out to the perimeter there's nobody home and and those two plays right there the fake punt and the fourth and one if not for that it's it's a totally different ball game and, and that punt as they said in the broadcast brian that that fake punt turned the whole it turned the whole momentum around yeah, it, it, it sure did. And he gave him confidence, uh, you know, going out there. You know, it's not something that I expected, but yeah, obviously that, that's something they should uh, game plan for, you know, and it, it was a it was a great throw. And then, you know, again, I was talking to the, you know, the Ravens fan that I, and he said, no, we just try. He told me that they just did that the week before. And it <laughs> you would think that the Texas would have picked up on that. But again, that's that's on special teams. And, and luckily it didn't happen again, you know, like the batted passes with, with Tom Savage. But uh, it was such a downer to see that, that that happened because, you know, that turned into, of course, a scoring play because they got the yards they needed to go into the end zone. But uh, it, it's just things like that that pretty much encapsulate what the season is all about of 2017. I'm going to remember that play. That that's That's just one that, 
that pretty much sums it up. So there was an ele- after that, there was an 11 play 48 yard drive at the end of the half that leads to the Justin Tucker 53 yard field goal. So still no, no drives over 50 yards at this point. The first two drives of the second half, uh, they got a total of two first downs, uh, the, the Ravens. And then that third drive of the second half, it's a 10-play, 36-yard drive. Again, a short punt by Shane Leckler was costly, Le- leads to a Justin Tucker field goal, which is only 31-yard field goal. So that, that tells you how short the punt was. Uh, and, and then there was, again, the defense was fine, three and out. And then the 11th drive, the, the, the last major drive of the game for the Ravens was a six-play, 18-yard drive. And that, of course, was after Savage's fumble. And, and, and he had the 49-yard field goal. So right there, Brian, that that's your ball game. The Texans uh, special teams was a killer because of those two short punts and the fake punt were, were huge. Marcus Williams getting burned on that one. But, you know, you got to give it to the punter. He, he, he made a great throw right there to, 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 to get that first down and, and set that thing up. Um, you know, they totally caught the Texans off guard. You, you, you got to give them their props for that. But. I, I just look at this game and it just everything that they could take advantage of the Ravens did. And every time the Texans made even the smallest mistake, the Ravens capitalized on it every single time. That, that's exactly the case uh, with the, with the Ravens. Uh, you know, you, they're, they're not a good football team. You know, they might sneak in and make the playoffs, but that that's how you beat the Texans. I mean, the way what we would have had to do to beat the Ravens is play mistake free. It, it would have had to been mistake free in order for us to win. I mean, even the littlest of mistakes, uh, the Ravens were going to capitalize on it, and they and they did. And we made several of those. Um, you would think with all the penalties that the Ravens racked up tonight, uh, that would have benefited us uh, to some degree. But of course. Whenever you have, you know, Tom Savage at quarterback and, you know, all the pressure that they're putting on him, yeah, it, it's just hard for him to make a good decision. And I'm sorry, he's just not going to have a clean pocket all the time. He had it a good chunk of the game, but those those times where you have to step it up. And I guess that uh, we done or we out or whatever he said, I mean, that, that pretty much sums up 2017 as well. It's going to be a meme. It's going to be a gif. Yeah, I see it happening, but uh, it's just um, kind of disheartening what what we're seeing out there. Because you know, if we would have won this game, it would have we could have made something of this season. But it looks like this is where we're going to be for the rest of the season, and we're just going to have to watch the script play out. The special players always seem to show up in prime time, and and, and we're gonna we're gonna start off with a really special player for the Texans. Let let's go to a positive. New Hopkins, seven catches, 125 yards. Puts on a show on Monday Night Football, not just the catches. He was drawing penalties. I think there were three of them for 50 yards. Hard to argue the effort he's giving, Brian, despite the current injury situation. Just got to tip my cap to that to that guy. Exactly. And I love the battle between he and Jimmy Smith. I mean, he owned him. I mean, just with... You know, flags are flying everywhere. Ravens fans were were just, you know, saying, oh, oh, bad call, ref. And, and, you know, I'm looking at the calls. I'm like, you know, he's right on the money. I mean, he's he's hitting them pretty hard all, all over the shoulder and behind the neck and everything. I mean, when you get beat, I mean, you, you have to do what you can to, to keep the play, you know, out of the end zone. 
And so uh, with, with DeAndre, just a, a terrific game. Um, it was uh, an interesting note that, that has popped up about Tom Savage that he had 118.8 passer rating when targeting uh, his receivers. So, you know, he was great when Hopkins caught the ball, but that, that just goes to show what kind of an athlete uh, that that he is. Um, I, I saw no problems out of him, and um, I'm just so glad he's on this team because, you know, he, he still makes the Texans fun to watch every Sunday. How about these numbers? Uh, Hopkins now sixth in catches and yards among wide receivers since he entered the NFL in 2013. Uh, Sarah Barshop with a nice ESPN article that I saw was on their their front page, the big headline column on ESPN uh, the day of the game on Monday. Yet the average total QBR, get this, of the nine quarterbacks that uh, threw him the ball during his first full seasons is 50. Fitty. Ooh. Fitty. <laughs> you, Fitty. Fitty. Yeah. Oh, man. You want me to rattle off some of these names, Brian? Because there's some good ones. Do you remember this list? <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I do. I might cringe when you tell me these names, but you can go ahead. <laughs> uh, yeah, we know Savage, Osweiler, Whedon, Yates, Mallet, Hoyer, Fitzpatrick, Keenum, and Schaub. So there, there, there's the nine guys that have been throwing the ball. Sometimes I forget how bad they are and how good Hopkins has been. So I just wanted to throw that out there, Brian, because uh, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, maybe this guy is better than Andre Johnson, when you consider who threw him the ball the first few years of his career. I mean, David Carr, uh, in some respects, was a better quarterback, uh, you know, in that four years, first year, four year span than maybe these other, all these other guys put together. I mean, that, 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 that is a good debate. And, and the numbers that he's put up are Andre Johnson numbers, and, and some of them are definitely better than Andre Johnson in his first four, four uh, seasons. It's remarkable. It really is. Yeah, I have to agree. And uh, he'll be right up there in the ring of honor, uh, just like Andre Johnson, uh, with with the numbers that he's putting up. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he is almost at 10,000 yards receiving already. Uh, You know, let alone the catches we were talking about. This guy's almost already at 10,000 yards, which is uh, with the quarterbacks that he's had. uh, That's nothing short of amazing. But this season is, you know, in terms of his his numbers in comparison, yeah, it's going to be a really good year. 2016 was definitely a down year for him. 2015 was very solid, his best year on record. But I think this year is going to eclipse that. And, um, you know, that's all Deshaun Watson. And Tom Savage is finding him when he can. And that that helps with the success. Hey, you know what? We can take Braxton Miller off the milk carton. He's starting to catch some passes in the last couple of weeks, Brian. It's about time they let him loose. You know, what do we have to lose? I mean, he's, he's a third round pick and they need to be um, using him as much as possible. And, you know, he was subbing in a lot for uh, DeAndre and I believe he did, you know, catch a few passes. So, you know, you have that talent out there. You got to go out there and use it and see if he's worth keeping around. I I think he is, but um, it's just all a matter of, what can he do and how can he make the best of his time out there um, if, in terms of production? Yeah, Bra- Braxton Miller, five catches, 43 yards. Uh, an interesting game from C.J. Fedorowicz because he dropped what I thought was a big third down completion and would have continued to drive. That wasn't good, but, you know, he made some catches out there 
The first interception, Brian, C.J. Fedorowicz was open over the middle, deeper down the field on that play. I don't know if you caught that from where your vantage point, but C.J. was open when, when Tom Savage tried to force it in on that first interception. Um, of course, like, you know, it, it looked like uh, double coverage, the Tony Jefferson interception, if you remember that one. I do. I do remember that vividly. You know, with, with Tony, he had a great game, too. Uh, you know, he's he's just one of those guys that, you know, especially on their defense that, that has contributed a whole bunch to uh, what the Ravens are trying to do. They're trying to be successful. But, yeah, you're absolutely correct. Yeah, he came right in between there. It, and it, it, we saw a lot of that with Tom where he was throwing into double and triple coverage and, you know, hoping that, you know, something would happen. You know, it's not like a quarterback to go in and toss something up in the air and hope something happens because then you don't want to get your guys that you're throwing to hurt. You know, we've been back and forth about this, you know, in the past. That's why Will Fuller's on the shelf right now. Yeah, the other thing, and I was trying to lead you in with the Fedorowicz stuff because I don't care about Tony Jefferson. He's not on my team. What do I care about Tony Jefferson? Uh, let me talk about – I want to talk about C.J. Fedorowicz, man. Uh, yeah. No, he had, he, had, <laughs> he had the four catches, but I said he had the drop pass, and it was kind of a mixed-up, mixed day for him. He also had the big holding penalty in the red zone, and, and, and that was a killer. Uh, that backed the Texans up, and you know, it looked like the officials got it right. There was a couple of strange calls, I thought, on both ends, but you know, it, it didn't feel like it was one way or, or another in this game. But, yeah, I, th- that was my point on Fedorowicz, but – uh, yeah, if you got nothing on him, I'll just move on. Who who do you want to talk about on, on offense? Is there anything else that you you had on the offensive side of the ball? Yeah, Bruce Ellington uh, flashed a little bit. He had some nice passes, had some nice catches. He had uh, three catches for twenty nine yards, and that's uh, nine point seven uh, yards uh, per catch. I mean, um, and then that big one for twenty nine yards. So you know, Bruce Ellington is just you know going to show that he uh, is still able to contribute. You know, week in and week out, and and he's certainly a keeper on our team. Um, I I did have a problem with the Texans continuing to run Lamar Miller, and the run wasn't working. That's, that was the problem. The run was not working. We weren't moving. But there were some times where he found the hole, especially for that touchdown that he he ran in for. That was pretty. That was really pretty because. Jeff Allen, I believe, got the block that got him the hole that way he could get into the end zone. That was terrific. But other than that, there were a lot of times we were running the ball when we shouldn't have been running the ball. We should have been airing it out. But when you air it out, you have those risks. You know, strip fumble. You throw an interception. All kinds of things can happen whenever you give Tom Savage the ball to throw. And, um, and Tonight, we saw all three as far as what I mentioned. Yeah, I just don't think you're going to see O'Brien say, oh, we're going to throw the ball 40 or 50 times. I mean, Savage, 37 attempts for him. Uh, they rushed the ball 25 total times. Lamar Miller, like you said, they, there, there wasn't anything there that this defense is, is really good for the Ravens. Uh, 17 yeah. carries for 51 yards for him. Blue had eight carries for 15 yards. Uh, the, the big carry was there was a 17-yard carry for Lamar Miller that that was the huge one of the game but yeah like you said uh, you know that they weren't getting anywhere running the football I I just know OB and I know what his philosophy is and you know he's gonna he's gonna try to run the ball some you know I think part of the the part of the deal with running the ball though is uh, whenever they ran the ball it tended to be on first down 
And that that defense, they're not going to respect you passing the ball if you've got Tom Savage. <laughs> they're not respecting you passing the ball on first down. And they get into that habit. They got into that habit with Brock Osweiler, with the other quarterbacks that they've had over the years. They like to run on first down. That That's a deal with them. When the first play of the game, there was, it looked like there was about 20 guys in the box, and they were still bound and determined. We're going to run the football the first play of the game. I think other teams sit on it, and that's what's going to happen. You know, going in and making it the best advantage of, you know, different situations that are out there, and uh, certainly – uh, we're not doing that right now uh, at this time. And, you know, with with this team, you know, that's that's something that we're going to have to look long and hard at. But, you know, we'll have DW4 back next season. And I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that not everything will be fixed, but a, a lot of the issues that we are experiencing right now as far as why we aren't winning games, it, it, it's, it's definitely going to be taken care of because there are going to be some guys that aren't going to be back. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's going to make a huge difference if they decided to pass on first down. I, I just know you watch the plays and you see it, and it's obvious. I see it at home. I go, okay, the defense knows you're going to run the ball on first down. They're sitting on it, especially early in the game. It's, it's a trademark of this team uh, under Bill O'Brien. And I think that, yeah, you're right. It, it did change under Deshaun Watson, and it will change under Deshaun Watson. And that's just because he's confident in Deshaun Watson throwing the football. That's the difference. And Bill O'Brien kind of wears it on his sleeve, you know, what he believes in and who he believes in and who he doesn't believe in at quarterback by just the, by his play calling. And, and that's, that's the way it is. Uh, any, any last things on offense? Were you excited? Your, your guy Kyle Fuller got out there. He, I think he played a little bit in the second quarter. He did. I, I, I missed that. I, I totally missed that. To be honest with you, it must've been just for a blink of an eye moment, but it's about time he got out there. <laughs> yeah. I saw a lot of Kendall lamb because, you know, Chris Clark got hurt, but um, I did not uh, honestly notice that Kyle Fuller. Uh, and that must've been when I got up for maybe a bathroom break or something, but uh, <laughs> yeah. And then he was out. So, but yeah, but yeah, it's, it's good to see him out there. Uh, how effective he was, you know, that that remains to be seen. But, you know, I've, I've been wanting to see him out there. And Bill O'Brien must have listened to or read my piece that I wrote about that. Let's talk some defense. And the other guy that we didn't mention earlier as far as primetime players, we talked about DeAndre Hopkins. But, of course, Jadavian Clowney, big in a big game. Now, you look at the first quarter and the first half is where he really showed up. He had that knocked down on the first drive of the quarterback. Then he had the huge tackle for a loss on the second drive. Uh, just blew that play up like only Clowney can do. Sack on the third drive. Yeah. Uh, good good coverage by the Texans also. Got to give him give them credit for that because it was kind of a nice coverage sack. He, Brian, he, I thought he was great. He was massive early on, especially the first quarter. Maybe you could say the entire first half. Much quieter in the second half. Maybe there were some adjustments uh, more double teams. They they realized, oh, we got to do something about Clowney. But Vrabel, you got to give credit. They were moving him around. But let's not overlook that at the end of the game, you're trying to get off the field and you're trying to get the ball back into the offense's hands. And he has that huge neutral zone uh, violation late in the fourth quarter that, that cost the Texans because that gave the, the, the Ravens a first down. That, that was a massive play. And it's something that Clowney's just got to keep his head in the game. He, he can't, you can't be guessing right there. You just have to, you're going to have to trust your ability. And Clowney's got the most ability of anybody on the line. 
Exactly. I mean, he's he's what he's the leader of that line right now. He is the captain. And um, and he and people are going to respect and listen to him because of the stature and status, you know, as a player. But, um, you know, it, it, it's just a gimme. I mean, it, it happens. He's human. You know, I, I would you know, it, he it doesn't take away from the great performance he had today because, you know, it could have been a lot, lot worse. And we, we don't associate that name with Clowney as of late uh, because he turns in terrific game after terrific game. This game, when you compare it to the Cardinals game, uh, certainly a lot better, you know, and I don't know if you can get any better than, than what he has been doing now because they're putting them everywhere. I mean, you know, he's gone back to, you know, first they started the season with him at outside linebacker. And then with all the changes with defense, with the injuries, he's back at defensive end and this, what he's doing right now, that's what suits him best, where he can improvise, do what he does best, and try to do the most to to help that unit be the most effective. Man, if if the Texans were better, he'd be in the MVP, the defensive MVP conversation, wouldn't you think? Defensive player of the year? Absolutely. And and the numbers, they may be there to talk about, maybe not where you know some of the contenders are. And um I I would imagine that. Um, you know, Justin Houston's still in that conversation. Uh, Callie Campbell, uh, he has turned in a very good year as well, starting out with week one against us. But Jadavion, he's going to get his due. It, it won't be this season, but he will get his due. And um, it's just going to be a great day to see him get that award. Who else did you think was good on defense? Who else did you like or what else did you notice defensively? Um, I mean, you're at the game. You might have you might be seeing stuff that we can't see because the camera's in tighter you're, you're seeing the field a bigger perspective. Uh, anybody else that looked good, bad, uh, anything that jumped out at you? I thought that I would see a lot more out of Dylan Cole. Uh, but again, he's just coming back off a hamstring injury. I just really felt that he was just going to be a menace out there. But he did his job. I'm not saying he was great, but he wasn't bad either. He was just right in the middle. And I don't know if you remember uh, Brennan Scarlett, you know, that that tackle for loss that he had early in, it was it was for three yards. But, man, he had got some wheels on on that play when he was trying to uh, to take down. I believe it was uh, Alex Collins, if I'm not mistaken. It, he stopped the run there. And um, it, it was just a beautiful thing to see. Um, he's always had those wheels, but he hadn't been able to use them because, you know, he's been hurt a lot. I don't know if you saw that play. I don't know if that was on the camera angle, but that was like right in front of me where – where it happens. So, you know, I, I, I'm just like all through and I'm jumping up. I'm like, man, Brennan Scarlett, there we go. Yeah. I mean, he, he, yeah. He had a nice open field tackle in the first half uh, early in the game. And then he, he had that, like you said, the big tackle for loss. And I guess it's those plays where I see that kind of stuff where I'm, I'm just like, what I want to see more of Brennan Scarlett, Scarlett doing this consistently. That that's the frustrating thing for me. It, it is interesting. The outside linebackers in this game, and you're going to try to tell me again in tomorrow's show about how uh, Jadavian Clowney is, is a defensive end, but uh, <laughs> they're still <laughs> they're still listing him on the broadcast as, as a uh, as a linebacker. But the the, the, the outside linebackers that, that got a lot of playing time were uh, Scarlett, and then the other guy that was on the field a ton and playing a lot of outside linebacker as well was Brian Peters. This was the most I've ever seen Brian Peters play in a regular season game when it wasn't right. involving special teams. Did you notice how much he was out there? 
Absolutely. And he was he was racking up tackles left and right. He was making he was making plays. And, you know, it, it, it's just, you know, you'll see 52 out there on defense when somebody's hurt, you know, when there's like nobody uh, else that we could put out there because he can play linebacker, too. That's his natural position. But because we have so much talent, that's why he's on special teams. That's why he's here, because he's so versatile. But I guess they're just experimenting with with Peters just to see what what was going on, and he didn't turn into bad of a a performance. Uh, again, not something that flashed out too much, but yeah, enough to say. Well, if we need him at linebacker, we know he can play the position. Just another quietly nice game from Marcus Gilchrist. I mean, we we mention him every yeah. now and then, and and he just continues to rack up these really. Nice, solid games. There's not a whole lot of times where I go, whether why was Marcus Gilchrist out of position? Why did he miss this tackle? You know, where where was Marcus Gilchrist on that play? You know, there's an occasional, you know, every blue moon I'll see uh, something that might bother me a little bit. But uh, overall, uh, he continues to to play or have a really nice season and, and, and play really well. Uh, the other thing that I, I'm curious from your standpoint, uh, DJ Reader and Carlos Watkins, uh, what could you see out with them? Uh, to me, uh, Watkins, not really – I didn't feel like this was one of his better games. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be real interested in those, these pro football focus grades on him. Uh, Reader had a couple of big plays, especially late in the game. Uh, but Watkins and Zach Cunningham, those two guys, I, you know, I, I still feel like they're going to need another year. That second year, uh, Gruden made the point in the broadcast. He was talking about all the – Ravens players that are really shining in their second year. I'm hoping that Watkins and Cunningham can take it up another step because I want to see them making plays that impact the game. You know, that go, you go, wow, that's a, that could change the game right there with that play, either an interception, a tackle for loss, uh, something huge like that. Yeah. Something like a Terrell Suggs strip fumble, you know, that changed the game when he made that play, um, it, it really shifted the momentum again. You know, we talk about the, the you know, the fake punt, but that was another uh, pivotal point in the game uh, when when things occurred uh, where the tide started to turn their way. And, you know, they're going to be there. They're going to get there uh, without a doubt. Um, I, I love Carlos Watkins. I love his upside. G.J. Reader turned in another solid game. I mean, if, if the run was coming his way, he was going <laughs> to he, he ate it up. I mean, he it, it's just hard to get past that all of that um, all of that muscle, all of that, you know, what, what he's got in him to, to get past him uh, with, with DJ. So, yeah, he'll be fine. And also, I want to talk about Jonathan Joseph. Yeah, we, 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 we got we got to talk about him a little bit because. He limited his uh, opponents to only two receptions on eight targets. I mean, he he matched up with Mike Wallace. Mike Wallace didn't get nothing much in there. I mean, it was all, you know, on the other side, you know, with uh, you know, with with Macklin and and whatnot. But um, and he didn't really have, to be honest, not that much more. I mean, Mike Wallace did have some gains, but uh, Jonathan Joseph did a really good job of uh, covering him. Whenever he covered him, I believe it was one reception off of four targets and 24 yards against him. So he played Mike Wallace extremely well. Uh, but the battle to watch was definitely Jimmy Smith and DeAndre Hopkins. That was that was one because, you know, they were really into it. And I love position battles like that. 
Special teams, uh, and, and, and we could go back to defense or whatever you want to, but I, I just want to bring up a couple of things. Like I said, Leckler, the 34-yard punt and the 36-yard punt were uncharacteristically poor Leckler. And, and just to get your thoughts, because I didn't hear anything on the broadcast about this, was there much of a win there? I mean, Justin, Justin Tucker, I, I, it looked like he was kicking in a dome stadium. I mean, that guy just is an, an incredible field goal kicker. Was there much of a win or is just Leckler just, you feel like he just shanked those two punts? No, there wasn't uh, much wind at all. I mean, it, it was, it's, it's very cold right now outside. I have to say, you know, just like the forecast, you know, it, it, it was a cold one, but I don't think the wind was all that, that strong. It, it's just, he's had several bad punts uh, throughout the season and he's usually made it up with good ones, but you know, I, I hate to say this, but you know, is it time for him to hang it up? Is is he losing his fastball? And I know that's something he doesn't want to hear. But you know, we're seeing more. We're seeing more of a pattern. You know, with this now, because there was absolutely no win, or you know, where you know things would be a situation where uh, he should have missed that punt. But um, you know, two by the way. So yeah, that that's what I think there in regard to Shane. All right, I'm going to make you chase down those numbers then. I want you to figure that out. Figure We can get that in for tomorrow's show or later this week. Yeah. What Leckler's doing this year, what he's comparing it to maybe last year. I haven't seen it much. You see like, you know, maybe one. I feel like there's one every couple of games that he, that he gets off that are bad, but he still has a lot of these great punts. It's just those two were so bad because the Texans were backed up both times. So the two punts ended up, one of them was just past midfield or at midfield, and the other one was, uh, actually in the Texans territory. So those were, and those were so costly because you know, they, they, they ended up costing the Texans 10 points. If I'm, if I'm right on that, uh, the other special team stuff, Chris Thompson tried to catch a punt with his helmet and Brian, uh, Jacoby Jones once tried to do that in Baltimore. Doesn't work. I just wanted to let no. you know, I want to let you know, Chris Thompson, it, it doesn't work. And, and luckily, uh, uh, our friend Tristan Deku, who I still want to see out there more. Oh, man. Didn't he have a nice play? Go ahead. Go yeah, ahead. yeah. he jumped on that one. He took care of it. He handled it. But that was the end of Chris Thompson back on punts. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. He's he's better with kickoffs. Just leave him there because he has uh, – that's, that's a strong point. But, um, you know, try Bruce Ellington, you know, any, anybody – but him right now and it's just going to take some time you'll 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 get through it he'll we'll work through it but i don't know if jacoby jones you know called him and said this is what you need to do to be successful you know <laughs> i did this when i was <laughs> i did this when i was a texan you know it may work for you i mean you might have a direct line to him i, I doubt but don't listen don't listen to him don't yeah. listen to him <laughs> do not listen to jacoby whatever you do Dylan Cole, you mentioned him. Huge hit also in the kickoff return late in the second quarter. The biggest thing for me, though, Brian, in this game, I want everybody to mark this down because I just don't even know if I can think of a game where the Texans had no penalties on special teams. There was none. None on punt return coverage especially. That was huge. I mean, can we can we do this? Like, put maybe two or three straight weeks. There was no Eddie Pleasant you know, penalties or Jelani Jenkins or Ben Reader or who, I mean, you name it, Brian Peters, nobody had a penalty on special teams. It's about darn time. I've waited long enough to say that this year. If they could just put together a whole special teams game, because look, you had Leckler with two bad punts, but we also got to talk about 
Fairbairn, I mean, they're short field goals, but he, he did the job. He handled the extra point that he got a chance to do. And, you know, everything was good from that standpoint. Uh, the penalties on special teams, it was just the, the couple bad punts and obviously the, big, the play of the game, the, the, the fake punt. Um, but it's, it's, those things are so hard to plan for. It's part of the Ravens' repertoire, though, so you had to think that that would have been something that they would have worked on, Brian, because John Harbaugh has a big bag of tricks for special teams. Yes, he does, and it and and you had mentioned it. You know, no penalties on paper, but you might as well say that fake punt is probably the one of the biggest penalties that that unit has committed all season. You know, aside from allowing, you know, some. Uh, kick returns, you know, that, that were, you know, for a lot of yards and whatnot, uh, you know, up in the way in the double digits, you know, in the twenties and the thirties and um, going back to some of the games that we've gone over uh, this particular season. But uh, it, it, it was just tough to see that happen, you know, and you, you're wondering, okay, how could you let this happen? But football's hard. Football's hard. And someone's always trying to throw a bag of tricks at you, as you mentioned, uh, to ensure that you're, you know, caught off guard. And because the goal is to win this game, you know, it's a competitive game and it's hard to win in this league. Um, and you've got to throw everything you got, especially when you're in a situation like the Ravens. I know everybody's in despair. The Texans aren't going to make the playoffs, but I know, Brian, I know you're excited and you've marked it down on your calendar and you can't wait for the return of Brian Cushing on Tuesday. He's back. He's back, baby. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've, I've got all, uh, you know, I've got fanfare. I've got confetti, you know, uh, noisemakers and whatnot. Um, this, this will be how the Texas play this will be interesting. And how I project it's going to happen is he's going to be back. I, I don't think they're going to cut him. Now, after this season's over, that's a different story. But I think he's going to be finishing out this season. It's a shame because, you know, as I talked about, the things that guys have gotten cut for and then he gets to stay, I mean, he's a repeat offender of, you know, performance-enhancing drugs, and he still um, is going to be allowed back on this team. You know, you're going to have people wondering, you know, is there a double standard if, if I'm this guy or if I have this name on the back of my jersey, you know, is there going to be an exception? Now, the Texas will tell you, we are short on linebackers. We've got a lot of injuries right now. We need bodies, period. But still, you know, it, it doesn't attest to the fact that he cheated. And, you know, you, you have to pay the penalty, but he probably won't have to. Well, he paid the penalty, obviously, with the, the suspended games, the loss in salary and all that sort of stuff. But I think it's time to cut 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 loose Brian Cushing and, you know, give the guys like like we've talked about before, Cunningham and Cole. We want to see those guys the rest of the year. Bernardrick McKinney. Uh, you, you'd like to see Cole get in there where he can play enough to maybe he could be your strong side linebacker. Give McKinney a break. Uh, Gruden made the point during the broadcast, which I thought was interesting. He thought McKinney looked a little bit gassed at times. McKinney's out there all the time. So uh, that that's something that you have to maybe think would help out a little bit because Zach Cunningham can't be a strong guy. I think he's going to definitely be the, the weak side. He's a pass coverage guy. You, you really need somebody else to, to handle that. And, you know, I don't know if any of these young guys are, you know, they're ready to call plays. That's the other thing. Uh, you know, that's the thing that oh, you, you might say, oh, well, Cushing could come at, back and give maybe these guys a, a blow, you know, maybe McKinney a blow by 
you know, the fact that he knows what, what plays to call, he can handle defensive alignments and stuff like that. But, you know, that, this is a perfect time for those guys to, to learn that type of stuff. Um, so I, that's pretty much all I had, Brian. I mean, I'm just, I, I just think, uh, this might be the time that the, the Chronicle goes ahead and puts a, a the tombstone on the front page with, uh, RIP, uh, 2017 Texans because I, I think this is it I think we're we're not officially eliminated but yeah it, it, it's over with now it's over with I mean you, you you probably can beat the 49ers next week I'm, I'm pretty sure you can but then but then there's there comes a, a even tougher part of the schedule the uh, Steelers are coming up on Christmas Day and then you've got you still we still got to go through the division and um and those guys they are hungry they are ready to take it over. Tennessee's got the wild card. Jacksonville's got the division right now. Those guys are hungry, and we're just not in a position right now to compete with those guys. And I'll I'll say it. I'll admit it. I I have no problems admitting that. If there was only one team that you're chasing, but they're they're both 7-4, and Jacksonville loses on a last-second field goal to Arizona, in in case you might have missed that. Uh, So uh, Jacksonville... Uh, gets beat by their old quarterback, Blaine Gabbert, which was kind of funny. And then uh, the Titans take care of business with the Colts. Although to me, the Titans are still kind of a very fake seven and four. Uh, I I just don't think the Titans are still that good, Uh, but they're, they're, they're seven and four, you know, you play, you play your schedule out. And so I think next year uh, the Texans get everybody back. There's, there's no question in my mind. Uh, the Jags might be the one team that will be in the way in the AFC South. I just don't, I'm, I'm not really impressed with the Titans. Maybe they have another, maybe they have a great draft and, and something changes there, but just something isn't quite right with them. And I just don't, I don't think I, I keep wanting to think that, well, Mariota is the quarterback of the future or something like that. But uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't like them a whole lot. I, I would say the Jacksonville, the easier schedule that they're probably going to win the division, but it, it, it that that should be an interesting race. But I don't think anybody's expecting those two teams to do anything once we get into the playoffs either. I mean, they're, they're they're both have a good chance now of getting into the playoff race or getting into the playoffs, I should say. But uh, you know, I don't I don't think they're going to do anything. Is there anything about what I just said you disagree on? <laughs> um, um, with, with with Jacksonville, you know, anything is possible with the defense that they have. Because we've seen, you know, teams have some success with, uh, you know, piss poor quarterback play, <laughs> and, and you know, and, and we can look no further than us. Uh, so, you know, even though Blake Bortles is likely not the guy that needs to be commanding that team right now on offense, Jacksonville could do something with with that defense. So, I, I certainly don't want to, to count them out. Um, Tennessee has some nice pieces. They have a good offensive line. Again, the jury's out on Marcus Mariota, but I, I think he has the goods. He's better than Tom Savage. At least I can say that. Um, but that's not saying much, but um, it, it, I really do think that, you know, those guys, you know, they've, they've had a solid season. They deserve it. And, you know, it's just going to be tough sitting back after we've been blessed for the past couple of seasons, going to the playoffs, watching them, you know, go in and, and compete and whatnot. Brian, I'm going to let you sleep because I think it's like 1.47 a.m. And your your time out east is we're, we're finished recording this. And I'm sure it has been a long day. We're going to get into more of our Grading the Texan show. As I mentioned, 
in tomorrow's show. And then we're also going to we're going to try to go to behind enemy lines later this week. Uh, uh, some of the usual stuff. We, we might cut out one thing because it's a short week this week for the Texans. Short week for 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 us. Short week for them. Uh, they've got six days to prepare or really five days to prepare for this uh, for, for the uh, Titans. They're up next, right? It's the Titans that the Texans have, correct? The uh, looking at the schedule, and yes, uh, you are are absolutely correct. I, I, I'm sorry. I thought that we had the 49ers. I was I was looking for a win, Rob. I was hoping that we could get a win soon, but we might have to just wait a week before we get it. And so we've got the Titans up next. So yeah, it, it, it'll be interesting to see. You know, actually, it won't be interesting to see to go up against the Titans. I, I just don't know, you know, what we have, how we're going to be able to beat them. But uh, we're we're going to break it all down for you and uh, give you all the hope that you possibly can in terms of what we can do to try to dismantle uh, the Titans' run. Real quickly, let's wrap it up. Uh, don't forget, you can go to iTunes, rate us. You get a chance at a free Pro Football Focus subscription a $40 value great opportunity to get that all you got to do is put in a way to contact you uh, Twitter email something like that would love for you to go do that rate us over there we're at House of Houston and at HSD podcast me and Brian Brian of course House of Houston the website you guys know where that's at houseofhouston.com um, locked at locked on Texans hope you're following us over there and following us on Facebook uh, as well, if you're a new listener, pass the word along to a friend or two. Let them know they can find us on iTunes and all of your regular podcast apps. Uh, you can email us at LockedOnTexans at Mail.com. If you forget, we're putting that in the subscription all the time, in the um, description all the time, I should say, on the podcast. So just go to the description and look for our email address if you want to send us something. If you got an idea for us to, that you want us to talk about, because uh, we're looking for topics. We're looking for your suggestions. We'd love to hear from you we'll see you again tomorrow to talk a little bit about the texans grades have a great one everybody you are locked on texans your daily houston texans podcast part of the locked on podcast network your team every day 